So that, yeah, I think it's a very quick and easy question of significance for us. Like, how is this significance to you and me? Well, am I willing to put, okay, first of all, what am I hoping in? What do I, if I'm really honest with myself, what do I kind of go, well, if this falls away, if this falls away, I still got this. Right. I still got this. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, well, I still got this. So what is the this that I've still got that I'm like banking on? Wow, this will this will get me through. That whatever that is, that's what I should put in the box and say, I no longer place my confidence in that. And there's a freedom that waits on the other side of that offering box that we can all have. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Well, welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Uh, Pastor Chad here and... One of my favorite guests. Don't tell Parker that. <laughs> or Tyler, now that I have both your brothers yeah. on the podcast. But I have with me Granger Smith. How you doing, bud? Man, I'm great. Good, Good. to be back. Good. Uh, I want to I want to hear what the Lord's been teaching you. You've got a lot of plates spinning in your world, and it's the Lord that continues to keep those spinning, which is what I respect about you. I think uh, from from when I first met you, you're a guy that isn't shy from doing stuff. And so you'll, you'll lean into a lot of different things. But one of the ways that I've seen the Lord kind of work on you is learning how to discern and say yes to the right things Mm. and no to other things. So, uh, we were talking a little bit beforehand before we jumped on this, uh, we got to share some breakfast tacos and I asked you about how do you determine what you say yes to and no to when you've got a plate full of opportunities how do you walk through that decision making process and say yes to some things and no to others so what does that look like for you and amber what does that look like for you as a as a dad and leader of your home yeah there's a lot there's so many different factors and which is what makes it very complicated and um, i wish there was an easier way i wish it was only me that had to make the decision right but there's there's several of us that make decisions like that, and um, as I told you earlier, that I, I, after just saturating it with prayer, mm-hmm. because these decisions I, I have learned in the past of you know like what what's going on with this? Why why is this just doesn't feel right? Then I go, oh, you know what? I wasn't really on my knees about this at all. <laughs> right. It's very interesting. It's the same with preparing a sermon. Sometimes I'll just get to a point where I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm at a brick wall and nothing's making sense with this sermon. You know what? You know, you know what the difference is? Hmm. I have not been on my knees with this as much as I was with something previous. Right. So yeah. that's, that's, that's how it starts. And then secondly, um, if it's, if it's music, it used to just be, you know, if it pays good money, we take it. It's just not the case anymore. It has to do with routing. Where, where are we? Um, how many times have we played that market before? Are we oversaturating that particular market? Are we on the East Coast and this gig, this offers on the West Coast? Mm-hmm. Can we even make it? How 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 busy have the guys been mm-hmm. and do they need a break? Like, are we asking the guys to go out on New Year's Eve right. when I told them they, they were going to be home? 
no amount of money could change that. Right. You know, so, um, and then, then there's the speaking engagements. There's the, uh, there's the movie book opportunities, uh, you know, di- all these different opportunities. Um, and they all crisscross at some point. Mm-hmm. Now I did tell you that I'm coming out with a book next year and, and I have put that at the top of the list. Okay. So I think it's important for anybody to have the thing. And we're not talking about family. We're not talking about God. We're talking about the business opportunities. It's nice to have one thing that you go, nothing is going to move this, this out of the way. This stays put um, for you. That's your work at the church, mm-hmm. even though you have a lot of other things going on as well, mm-hmm. but your work at the church is probably the one thing that's not going to move. Yeah. Right. Um, that's the book for me. And so it sounds like you, you do right when you first engage in prayer and you wish that that was all the time, but sometimes you're like, oh, now I know. So prayer is a key. You're also, it sounds like, extremely aware of your decisions have an impact on a lot more people than just you. And so you don't have the luxury of of making decisions in a vacuum hmm. or or being the only one impacted so that you're like, well, I'll just choose better next time. Like your decisions have impact. So you are also thinking of it in terms of stewardship. I've got time, I've got resources, I've got people, and these these decisions I make have impact on all those. So even more so, Lord, please tell me what what is a good yes and what is a good no. Uh, how it how does it work with you and Amber specifically? I can I can think of ways in which decision making as the leader of my home, as the husband, I'm certainly in a position where I could just decide things, but that would just by myself, that would be very unwise. Yeah. And so I've learned over the years ways that work for, for Shannon and I to engage in decision-making together and process things. Uh, and so how does that work for you and Amber? Yeah, well, I guess there's a level that it gets to the, the, the uh, Amber decision making hits a certain level. Like for instance, this podcast, I didn't have to discuss this with her. I didn't say, Hey, um, you know, on this certain day, Chad's going to come over and we're going to do a podcast. Is, is this going to work? Mm-hmm. Um, now that, that being said, we do have a shared calendar mm-hmm. on Google. So, so we do know we are aware of things that are, that we can't move. Like if Amber has a doctor's appointment on this morning, I wouldn't have booked this podcast. Right. But that being said, then there's other things. Um, where, where, especially if I need her to go with me, mm. it's like, we need to discuss it. Uh, or if she's involved in any way, we need to discuss it. And, um, and, and really it's, it, it's really 50, 50 on the, at that point, it's rare that I would be, I would feel so strongly about something and she doesn't want to do it. That's, that's very rare. I can't, I can't not even think of a time. But that's do you happened. ever have like pretty big decisions and you guys kind of say, we're going to take some time to pray about this. Yeah. You go to your corner. I go to mine, you know, your, your theoretical corner. And you just, you spend some time independently praying and see what the Lord does to cause something to resonate in his spirit to kind of reveal things. And then you come back together and, and you're able to go, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm sensing from the Lord. And she's like, me too. Like, does that, is that ever a part of what you guys Absolutely. do? Absolutely. Okay. It's, it's it, that, and then, then there's the praying together. Mm-hmm. So there's both those aspects and not always th- does that end up being, um, you know what I, I was, I've been praying and I really feel like the answer is yes, we're going to do it. Sometimes, maybe most of the time 
it's like, I feel like the answer is we take a step in that direction. Hmm. We take the next step in that direction. And, and we see. And we see. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Anything else that he's really been showing you? Well, in, I've been, in, in my reading plan, uh, part of it has been through the last couple months have been through first and second Samuel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love, love David who doesn't love David and studying David. And then, mm-hmm. um, what's really interesting this time around for me is I, I, alongside this, I read this book called, um, a tale of three Kings, hmm. which is the story of Saul, David and Absalom and where they intersect. And for, and for the first time in the book, it's just, it's, it's uh, very poetic and it's very easy read. I'd recommend it to anyone that's interested in that era of biblical history. But, um, as much as I want to be David or think that, you know, I've got David <laughs> attributes. Yeah. He's the one to be. Yeah. I'm mainly Saul hmm. and the book will point out that almost everyone is mainly Saul. Hmm. And in so, what way, what's the characteristic of Saul in that regard that, we tend to emulate well we're either spear throwers or we return the spear david dodges spears but most of us we're hurling the we're we're grabbing the spear out of the wall and we're going to throw it back at the guy that threw it at us because that's justice and that's the american way yeah and that's what we do we stand up for our family we stand up for our country we stand up for our rights (laughs) we take the spear out of the wall at the dinner party and we throw it back at the host of the dinner party. So this is a good teaser for if you have never read this uh, small narrative in Scripture to go and find it in the Old Testament. You're gonna you're gonna want to look in the in the range of the the Samuel's. Um, <laughs> that that would be kind of where you find that. But do a little detective work. Find out this incident where David, Absalom, and Saul intersect. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, and everyone reads it and thinks, man, I love David. I am kind of David. (laughs) But guess what? Saul and Absalom thought the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah. We're all justified in our own eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Well, we came together to read. We're going to read the scriptures. And uh, we continue to make our way through the gospel of Mark. I do have plans for when I'm done with Mark. No one knows him, but I do. Okay. And I know where I'm going after Mark, and it's just going to be one of those people just have to to tune in and see where we go next because we're, we're not, I mean, we're still probably months away from the end of Mark, but uh, as we as we get closer and closer, I might throw some teasers out as to where we're going. But today we're going to be so in Mark. So you're saying you're not just going to Luke or something? Nope. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Well, see, you, now you made me reveal just a little bit. Like, okay. Yeah. They know there's going to be one of 64 other books that I'll be in because <laughs> it's not Mark and yeah, it's not okay. Luke. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so here we are. We're finishing We're finishing out chapter 12 today. And so Mark chapter 12, we'll be looking at a very short but very profound passage. And again, we, we understand this lo- is located when Jesus has is nearing the end of his earthly ministry. He's been in Jerusalem now for a little while. He has withstood the testing of the Jewish uh, religious and political authorities of the day. And they've multiple times they've come, they've tried to test his authority, try to get him to mess up, to kind of misstep so that they could then nail him publicly or 
devalue him publicly so that he stops being popular and and so that's that's something that he has successfully endured he's then even kind of gone on the offensive a little bit and he's he's kind of tested them publicly which the interesting thing is every time he is tested publicly those that are trying to test him usually it reveals more about them and their ignorance than it does anything about him. So mm-hmm. he he's already on the offensive every time he's on the defensive, which is very interesting. But here we, we arrive in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And and for those tuning in, we, we took time to pray beforehand before we jumped on this podcast. And I think that is, uh, as Granger has identified, that is a, a must. I can tell the difference in the times that I attend to God's word and I go to read it and I have prayed or I have not prayed. There is a difference in my ability to focus, difference in my ability to understand and process and receive what the Lord has for me in that word. So we've done that and now we're going to read. So I'm reading out of the ESV. How about you? Same. Okay. So we're in the ESV starting in verse 41. And he, uh, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came, put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And that's it. And so uh, we want to first start out by, do we understand the scene? Do we understand right. what's who's there, what's happening, what they're doing? So if you had to kind of retell this story to one of your kids, how would you set the scene? So first of all, we're in the synagogue. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Jesus has been ob- observing, right? And it's it's interesting. I mean, the passage starts with watching people putting money into the offering box, which, which is interesting in itself. That you got you kind of have this scene, and and you you get the the account from Mark that maybe came from Peter or some eyewitness for sure was there mm-hmm. watching. And it was enough. It was enough to recount the story that it mattered enough that Jesus was sitting and watching people putting money in. Mm-hmm. Um, and most likely, the disciples were watching him, watching them, thinking, "I would really love to know the uh, the outcome of this because I've always wondered." Because the the Old Testament's going to talk about tithing ten percent. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, is this? Is this tithing? Is this is this Jesus likes this tithing thing? Is this what this is where this is going? Yeah, and you you it's interesting because it's not as though he just kind of notices. It says that he sat down. Yeah, and so there's this intentional. He's gonna. It's like there's a bench there or something, and he sits down and he's just he's sitting opposite the box, and he's like, "Hey guys, have a seat." Let's just let's just watch for a little bit, and they're like people watching in like a public area. Like you can imagine someone in like Central Park, just like, hey, let's just have a seat and let's just watch people. Okay, so maybe it's like um, you're at Target at this time of year at Christmas time, and yeah. you have uh, the Salvation Army guy with the bell. 
and then me and you sit in a bench yeah. and just watch the people come out, watch out of people Target come out and put money into the watch their responses to the yeah. the Santa ringing the bell yeah yeah and putting money in and you know it's like people are putting in twenties hundreds you know and, and it's like whoa and then Jesus points out here's this widow. And to understand the context of a widow in that society, hmm. a widow is somebody without a husband. So there's a, a passage in James which, say, which says, true religion is the care of widows and orphans. And what that indicates about that time period to understand if you were a child or a woman and a man was not connected to you, you had no hope for the future. Hmm. You had no guarantee of any, any sustenance that could, that could come to you unless, you know, uh, some benefactor was contributing. Maybe it's the, the church community, but at that time without a man that was of, of, you know, a mature age, so above 13 or whatever, without a man in the picture, if you were a child or a woman, you had no hope. And he had no future. So here is somebody who is a widow, which says she now is husbandless. So she has no one looking after her or providing for her future. And she takes what she has and she offers it faithfully everything that she has to live on. So she has no guarantee that tomorrow she'll have money for food once she drops those pennies in. And he is saying something about that activity versus those that have all kinds of means putting in large amounts that there's something that is more important to notice about her act, not her amount versus their act and not their amount. Cause I think what would be impressive is the dollar amount. Yeah. Somebody walks by, drops in a hundred dollar bill and someone else walks by and puts in a penny. The guy ringing the bell is going to be way more thankful for the hundred dollars, yeah, and more impressed with wow, look how much he gave. But Jesus is saying something very different here, because this her being a widow, and and what that says about her station in life and her human hope in her circumstances, there's a lot to be understood there. So he's people watching, and people are putting money in the offering box. Many rich put in large sums. So we understand that there's wealthy people putting in a lot of money and that in our day and age, that would be impressive. We tend to get impressed with rich people yeah. and large sums of money. Like you have a, a foundation. Yeah. And yeah. man, I bet you when you have a fundraiser, you're pretty, you're digging yeah. the people that put in large sums. You're like, man, that's awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. And so there's something here that's different, what Jesus is teaching them, his disciples primarily, because we know that that's who's with him. It's, it, there's no, it doesn't indicate a crowd. It says he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor woman or this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. And he says why, and that's in verse 44. So, very interesting. What else do you notice here? Well, they observed the, a lot of people, obviously. There's many rich people, so there's lots of people putting in stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, this is a a gospel a gospel summation within just these these few verses that Jesus wants your heart. He wants all of it, and your heart isn't always your money. Sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is, but it's not always. And so, what is your heart? Where, where what do you love? What what drives you? What what makes you who you are he wants all of that mm-hmm. and and for this woman to do this this is not this is first of all this is not a um, a message to all followers of jesus to give everything that you have today that would first of all be irresponsible mm-hmm. um uh, but but that, that never was the point jesus doesn't want or need god does not need your money right um, he certainly uses it mm-hmm. and it certainly becomes a blessing to others, but he is the blessing. He's the reason it becomes the blessing. So, sometimes we get that mixed up as mm-hmm. believers. We think, oh, I need to give because God needs to use this. Yeah. God's going to use it no matter what, if you give it or not. Yeah. He's got a thousand, you know, herds on a thousand hills. He's got yeah. resources yeah. beyond resources. Yeah what he's doing every time with money is it reveals more about you than it does him yes. that he he wants to, you to be able to free yourself from the hope that we place in the yes. money you could say that and we could be done with this podcast really because what she has done is she has taken something that would be very easy to hope in or cling to to say i would give this but i'm going to need it tomorrow mm. And so now her hope is in the penny that she's hanging on to, which isn't much anyways. Yeah. But she's hoping in that. Instead, she says, that's not my future. So she lets go of it because she's giving to the one who her future is in. Yeah. She's believing in the God that can provide for her. And I think that's really this, this dialogue. It could be money, like you said, in your case, it could be something else, but I th- the challenge for the disciples is they're they're constantly aware of what's visual and what's what's pretty consistent for humans to hope and trust in, and so what Jesus sees is a demonstration of such an extreme faith and confidence in God that that it, he says, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on is now gone so all she has to live on now is god and his provision so she is the freest person in in that arena right now because god is her entire confidence and not a single penny Hmm. not a single man that will provide for her or or be her provision so that yeah i think it's a very quick and easy question of significance for us like how is this significance to you and me well am i willing to put okay first of all what am i hoping in what do i if i'm really honest with myself what do i kind of go well if this falls away if this falls i still got this right i still got this yeah and if that doesn't happen well i still got this so what is the this that i've still got that i'm like banking on wow this will this will get me through that whatever that is that's what I should put in the box and say, 
I no longer place my confidence in that. And there's a freedom that waits on the other side of that offering box that we can all have. Yeah. And we go, I, whatever happens tomorrow, I'm good. Cause I got Christ. He's yeah. got, and he's got me more, more importantly. So what is that? Yeah. How do you wrestle with that? Yeah. I, I think, um, I think you're right on. I think we need to, we need to look at this as Jesus needs, Jesus requires our heart. He doesn't need anything. He requires all of our heart. Mm -hmm. And for this, in this instance, in this parable or this, it's not a parable in this, in this scene that we're watching here, everything that she had to live on was her heart Mm -hmm. as compared to the, all these other people that, you know, they had a large sum of money. They were, these are rich people. It didn't really affect them. And that's, this is, this is profound religious teaching mm-hmm. that we don't see in any other kind of any other, other form of religion. Right. This is the upside down kingdom. This is, mm-hmm. I, I had a very wise man tell me his name was Chad. He moved to Montana. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. But he told me, he told me you, you open your fist. Yeah. An open palm is what Jesus wants. You still hold something, but you could still you don't grip it. it. Exactly. So there, so there it is. You could still hold your, um, you know, we, we don't want to say, um, you know what? I actually saw this little mini documentary about this, this rock star who found Jesus and decided he was going to sell everything and he was going to follow the gospel and sell everything. And he literally gave everything away and then he became homeless and then he became very sick and then he started to resent God and it just, it really turned on him. Because he thought, because it became a work for him. It became a way to work towards God in giving everything away. Mm. Becoming the widow became a way that he went around grace mm. and it became a work for him. Look, here's, here's how I'm going to prove my love by giving all my money. And so that's where it could backfire on you mm-hmm. if you read this the wrong way. Because you're still putting confidence in yourself. Yes and your own piety or yes. righteousness. I mean, that's a good word. But so many times Jesus will teach something similar to this idea of money, and it's never about the money. It's always about the confidence or our own reliance upon what we think money can provide or do for us, whether that's a significance, like we feel like money's going to provide significance or meaning or value to our lives, or if it's going to be a security thing and we feel like in money we will finally be secure and what she does in this offering is she says i i'm not significant and i'm not secure in myself but god has made me significant Mm. and he's my security at the end of the day and that goes all the way back to genesis 3 when adam and eve are expelled out of the garden what, what begins for humanity is a search for security and significance. It boils down to those two things. And when people experience security and significance, they experience contentment and they're fulfilled. And so you look at anybody on this planet, anybody, and you can even look, look in churches, people striving either for significance or security, and they're just looking, they're looking, they're looking. And then you see those saints that sit there and they don't need either of that from you or me or anyone else because they are completely secure and significant in Christ. And they're like, I'm good. Hmm. I'm good. I don't need anything from you or anyone else, but I can offer you all that I have hmm. because I'm already full. Man, it's just such a powerful place oh, to be. That's good. That's good. 
So what, I wonder what happened to this woman. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to see her. <laughs> and she's going to have the biggest palace yeah. In, in, yeah. in the new heavens, new earth, man. And we're going to be like, oh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. It's so There's so many people like her in the Bible where that's the only mention. And it doesn't say that Jesus got up and went and had a discussion. Maybe he did. Maybe he got up later and went and gave her a hug. Yeah. Um, maybe not. It's just so interesting. It is. Man, what a good word. Yeah. What a good word. Yeah. It was very, very challenging. It's interesting that this this little passage, uh, it doesn't take long to see. It's one of those passages where he makes it pretty obvious, which is really helpful after all these parables and other things that are happening, but this is a, a profound word, I think, for us today. It is. And you know what? This isn't a good example of a word that you cannot take out of context. You can't take this little section and it, no one, if someone has never read the Bible, looks at that and goes, here's Christianity right here, read this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good word. Because you would think that that means in order for God to love you, you have mm-hmm. to give everything you have. That's yeah. what that would lead a human brain to think. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, if uh, if as we've processed through this passage, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me, takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question for Granger, I will be sure that he gets that and he can respond to that. Uh, if you are wrestling with this and you have some, some thoughts, maybe something that we didn't bring out, uh, you can always engage in the comments. Leave a comment. That's a great space for everyone who engages with this podcast to have commentary uh, with one another to engage in dialogue about the scriptures uh, because there's a growing community of people that engage with the Take and Read podcast and then can begin discussing the text together. And it's just this really cool kind of discussion group that's happening. Uh, so I encourage you uh, there, be sure to uh, share this with others. If, if there's something about this passage that you think, man, someone would benefit from it, uh, encourage them to go and take and read this passage, uh, cha- uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 41, for themselves. Share this podcast with them. Uh, I want this to be an encouragement. This is never going to be about me. It's always about taking and reading the Word of God, because here are two men that have encountered Jesus in a profound way, and we will never recover from that. And so we believe this to be the true Word of God, the, the words from the Creator of the universe, and we believe these are words to live by, that they, they produce life for us. And so we attend to the Word of God because we need it. We need to hear from our dad. And so that's why we come here. And if you are wrestling with your own uh, belief in Christ or whether he loves you or is there for you, let me just encourage you to keep seeking and wrestling with his word and he will reveal his love to you. And, and you will be filled with the knowledge of God's love, as Paul says in Romans 5. So encourage you to keep wrestling. But we believe it wholeheartedly. We, we commit our lives to him. And we have found profound life in that and encouragement in that. So I encourage you this day to give your life, to give in to the spirit of of Christ who is pursuing you today. There's no better time than today. Today is the day of salvation for you. And I encourage you in that. So go take and read the word of God. Blessings. Blessings.